0: Good morning. This might be hard to believe, but Paul was very, very careful when he asked people to give to God's work. He tried to make sure that giving was motivated by eager willingness, and he did not resort to commanding Christians to give. In chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, Paul deals with giving, and we're going to look at these two chapters over the next two weeks. We will learn two things about Christian giving. Two things about Christian giving on this side of Jesus' death and resurrection. Christian giving is to be free will and faith-driven. And We're going to think about these things over the next couple of weeks. What Paul says as he begins this section in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the lord and then by the will of god to us when paul did his three missionary journeys one of his passions was to collect funds among gentile churches and to be able to bring those funds to the church in jerusalem to aid the suffering christians there if you were a Christian in Israel as a Jew, things did not go well for you, and you were ostracized from family, you were cut off from the synagogue, and Paul cared deeply about the plight of the Jewish believers that he had to relate to back in Jerusalem. When he traveled through Greece and Macedonia, he spent some time with another group of impoverished Christians, this time who were in the Roman Empire. He didn't intend to focus on this offering that he talked about when he went from church to church because they just didn't have the resources. And so he figured that there's no real need to bring this up to them. However, they pled with Paul. They begged him for the opportunity to allow them to be part of this gift, this grace to the church in Jerusalem. And it's interesting. If you look at these chapters, it's all about money, but you will not find the word money once it's talked about as grace or a blessing or a service and it involves money, but that's not what Paul is wanting to encourage. He wants them to see not just what they give, but he wants them to understand it's why they give it that's important to God. But these Macedonians gave out of their poverty more than Paul expected, or maybe even thought wise. And why? And this is the our first Kind of evidence of Christian giving. It was face driven. See, what do I mean by that? They were touched by the plight of Jewish Christians. When Paul talked about what was happening in Jerusalem, it touched their hearts. They could imagine what it was like for these individuals to be cut off from family and and cut off from aid, and their heart went out to them. they thought about what they must be going through, and because of this compassion, this empathy, they begged for the opportunity to be able to be part um, Their giving was face driven. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan huh? you read from Luke chapter ten verse thirty through thirty five Jesus then tells this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. A priest was a full-time employee of the temple. Uh, He happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, Levites were, every priest was a Levite but not every Levite was a priest. Levites were the tribe in Israel that had been selected to function in a priestly manner. Those who went into full-time service in the temple were priests. The Levites, they could be part-time and this Levite was a part-time employee, religious figure in the synagogue. So he when he came to the place and saw him and like the priest he passed by on the other side but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine then he put the man on his own donkey took him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper look after him he said and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have talked about the Samaritans, they were sandwiched between, in Israel, between the Judeans in the south and the Galileans in the north, and they were hated by both. Um, A Samaritan was traveling by, and and when this Samaritan who passed by on the road, the Levite and the priest passed by on the other side of the road, when this Samaritan uh, passed by, it says when he saw him, he took pity on him. There's something about sight There's something about seeing someone and seeing the pain that they're in that brings about a compassion. And so the Samaritan, when he saw this individual, it touched his heart. Avoiding led to apathy, but seeing led to sympathy. And perhaps because, and as the Macedonians heard about this offering Paul was taking, they knew what it meant to suffer poverty and persecution. That's what their life was like. For this reason, they empathized with Jewish Christians. By contrast, as Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, they are the more affluent, and he needs to, wants to encourage them to follow through on a commitment they had made to be part of this offering, but then had kind of slackened about being following through on it. Listen to what he says in verse 6. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, See that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. Their initial enthusiasm had dissipated, and what Paul does, then careful to think not only of what he wants to do, but how to get it done, he dispatches Tim Titus to help them finish what they had started. And then the only command in this chapter, as Paul writes, to try to get them to give. He points out the Macedonians, but then he focuses on them, and his only command is found in verse 11. Read down through verse 11 through 15. So He says, So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered, had, whoever gathered much, had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack paul is not asking for the corinthians to make themselves destitute in giving to the to the judean christians he does not want them to become hard pressed from offering relief to others neither does he want to them to flaunt their wealth, because they were wealthy. He doesn't want them to flaunt it in generous giving. In their culture, the one who outgave another had greater status and was accorded greater glory. Paul's not wanting that as well. He wants the Corinthians to remember that God causes things to even out. And his point is that as these Corinthian Christians and the Macedonian Christians as they, at this time, having more than the Jerusalem Christians do. They are in a position to be able to supply some of what these Jerusalem Christians lack. And Paul's point is that God always balances the scales. Somehow they would receive back from the Judean Christians something that will benefit them. And he he. Goes on because this offering is so important to him, uh, he takes pains to sweat the details, and that's what he says. But thanks be to God who put it, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel, and not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us, for we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and messenger of the churches, the glory of Christ. So I'll give proof before the churches of your love and of your boasting about you to these men. A lot of reading. Let's let's try to identify what this says to us as we think about giving in our time on this side of christ's life um let's ask you a question maybe first why does paul care so much there were a lot of struggling churches in a lot of places and we don't find paul's pattern to collect offerings for every church that was destitute there was something special to paul about the church in jerusalem um, he wants to do more than just send them relief he sees this as an opportunity to establish unity between Jewish Christians in Israel and Jewish and Gentile Christians in the Roman Empire. There's nothing that speaks to a person's care is when in an attitude of care, not out of obligation, but a face-driven free will expression of support that melts the heart of those who would consider gentiles enemies and those they should not associate with. And this is what Paul is trying to accomplish. What he sees, he cares deeply about the Israelites, but he has been called to be the apostle to the gentiles and what he sees that as he moves about these Gentile churches, he can stir them up by his passion because Paul cares desperately about his own brethren back in Jerusalem. And if he can stir these Gentile and Jewish Christians in the Roman Empire up to collect this gift, and if it can be from their heart and not as an obligation, but as an outpouring of support and concern, he knows and hopes what will happen as he brings that gift, it will melt the hearts of those who have all their life been told that Gentiles are no one to to be to associate with. And what Paul wants to do is have this gift as something that could bring Jew and Gentile Christian together. Um, If the Jewish Christians accept this tangible gift of love and indebtedness from Gentile Christians, it will mean something by accepting this gift from their hand. It would be accepting them, in a way. This is what Paul understands. If giving is to be face-driven, if it's something that we're to do from the heart, eagerly, not reluctantly, how do we go about growing bigger hearts? How do we do that? The early church... Is a good example of giving from the heart. That's what we find in in Acts. It says there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold the field, He owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So in the early church, it was people, when they had surplus, when they had things, so Joseph Barnabas had land, and what he did, he sold it, took the proceeds of the land, and put it at the apostles' feet to be distributed to those in the city who needed support, those Christians who needed support. Um, It's like paradise found. But don't mistake this for communism, though. This is not socialism. It's what it says. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. This is not mandated. This is voluntary, uncoerced, unconstrained giving. And that's what identified this as something unique. It was not a government program. It was not something that was compelled or forced. It was voluntary. And that's what gave it its power. That's what caused it to be Christian giving. It was faith driven and, and free will. And it's an expression and it's an evidence of paradise found, but eh, there was also paradise lost. Listen to what happened? Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You had not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Uh, Why this happened, it was a charade because when Ananias saw Barnabas bringing this gift, perhaps he saw Barnabas bringing it up and laying it down at Peter's feet, and maybe he heard the gasps of, oh, look what he did. And and in fact, Barnabas, the name is Son of Encouragement. His his name was Joseph. And maybe this was one of the reasons why they called him Son of Encouragement, because of what he did and, and how notable it was. Maybe Ananias and Sapphira are sitting there or standing there and looking on, and and they're getting an idea. Mm, boy, you know what? Look at how, boy that would, that's... You know what? We have a piece of land. Mm. Maybe we could... mm. And that was the catch. They couldn't think of parting with the whole proceeds of the land. I got it. They must have thought. We'll sell the land. We don't need to tell them how much we got for it. And we'll tell them this was the price we got for the land. And then maybe they'll give me a new name. And and maybe maybe people will look at me like I'm looking at Joseph and Barnabas, and that's what they were thinking. Um, we don't know exactly um, what ended up happening, though. They kept back the proceeds and it came to a scary end. And what you take from this, God cares more about why we give than what we give. really matters to God why we give. He would have us give out of free will, not that we're mandated. We'll talk about that a little bit next week as we think about tithing and yeah. so it needs to be free will and face driven, driven by compassion. A couple of principles. So how do we do this? How do we then give on this side of um, the cross? couple things as we close. Uh, number one, give intentionally. And what I mean by that is kind of in a scheduled manner. Don't just kind of leave it to the last minute. Here's what Paul told the Corinthians in First Corinthians 16. The first letter, this is what he said when he initially gave them directions as to how to accumulate this gift, which the Corinthians didn't follow, and that's why they needed to send Titus to get them going. This is what Paul had initially said. uh, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So what he says is, I'm telling you about this, so here's the deal on a regular basis, the first day, every week, Sunday, set it aside. Put it, bring it, so that when I come, this offering will kind of have already been accumulated. So do it intentionally and systematically. Uh, And a a second principle, and increase gradually, increase gradually. Um, It's a mistake to try to get somewhere or to to pretend to be more generous than you we are. That was Ananias and Sapphira's problem, wasn't it? Why couldn't they give as much as Barnabas did? You know what one of the deals was? Barnabas had been in the church a lot longer. He had a bigger heart because Jesus' word had been at work in his heart for a longer period of time. And so he... Got a bigger heart because he had been thinking about the word, thinking about God's commitments, and God's commitments had softened his heart. If Ananias and Sapphira had come and if they'd said to Peter, Hey, look, man, you know, here's the deal. I really want to give money, but I don't think I, I can bring myself. To sell the land and to give you everything out of it, I feel kind of ashamed because Barnabas he can do it, but you know what? I can't do it. I don't think he would have gotten the reaction. In fact, I know he wouldn't. He wouldn't have got that reaction from Peter. You know what reaction he would have come? He gotten, In and then I keep coming back. God doesn't grow bigger hearts overnight. You keep on coming back. You keep on listening to the message. You keep on letting it soften your heart. Think what he would have told them. And little by little by little, gradually, you'll learn to systematically set aside monies that you can give in a face-driven, free-will manner. And that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Let me pray for us. Father, we, we get a lot of appeals for money, some of which are not as careful as Paul's appeal here. Um, commanded to give, guilted to give, and that doesn't work. You would have us give because we care about the cause that we're giving to. You would have us give freely in an uncoerced, voluntary, not mandated manner. I'd ask we'd continue to learn about this so our giving would be acceptable and pleasing. In Jesus' name, Amen.